White Rocket Entertainment. White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 507. It's the Avengers Assemble podcast from the Jarvis heads of AvengersAssemble.net. Now here's your host, Van Allen Plexico. Hello and welcome to the Avengers Assemble podcast. Whatever we're calling it these days, Avengers Assemble. I don't know, but it's uh, it is our uh, Avengers and Marvel related uh, show on the White Rocket Network. And we're going to talk today about the new announcements from Disney about the MCU coming up and joining me to talk about these momentous announcements, some of which we knew, some we didn't, some we got more information on and some less, is our longtime uh, guest and co-host for these type of episodes, Jim Yelton. Welcome aboard, Jim. Hey, Van. How's it going? It's going pretty good. I'm pretty excited about all the stuff that... uh, (laughs) That Disney, I, I like when Disney talks to the shareholders because they, they let the rest of us in too, you know, and it's usually a good right. time. And it, it's, it's weird. I was thinking about it this morning. Uh, it, you know, normally we get together like a couple of times a year to talk about, you know, a Marvel movie that's come out or something Marvel related. And, you know, we, whether it's on your show or my show, we'll do a year in review and talk about all of the Marvel stuff that's been out. And this mm-hmm. year, because of everything that's going on, we've not talked about Marvel yeah. at all until right now. That's right. And it's, well, and every, everything has gotten so disrupted. It's not that surprising, but uh, yeah. And, and so I was really excited and, and there's a ton of stuff to talk about oh, that Lord. came out in this investor conference. Good gosh. Yeah. So let's get right on into it then. We've got TV shows to talk about. We've got movies. We got this is a cornucopia. This is a potpourri. This is this is really expensive words of uh, of tons of <laughs> material here. I this is this is a this is, we are spoiled with the wealth of material that's coming out. This is the kind of stuff that I look at and say, yeah, I'll probably be hit by a bus next week, you know, because you, right. I just can't imagine missing all of this great stuff that's coming out. I don't want to think about the possibility of missing it. And, so, and I know, and we'll get to it later on. I mean, there's some things on this list that I know had to have gotten you very excited when you saw the announcement. Oh, yeah. So. Well, and like I said, a lot of it we knew, and some of it was just confirmed. And but, but yeah, some of it absolutely had me dancing around the room. I know that at least one of my one of our other friends, who is a, an occasional guest on this show, basically broke down in tears over one of these announcements, which I totally understand. It's that important to us, you know, life wise and everything. Uh-huh. All right, let's dig on in. I've got a I've got a list, and we'll just go through and discuss whatever comes to our mind on each one. And I'll just stick to my master list here. If you want to add something or rearrange, just let me know or if we need to move something back. But otherwise, I'm just going to work my way down. So the first few things I have here are pretty much television-related and coming relatively soon. So first up is WandaVision. What are your thoughts about what we saw where there was a new trailer? It's coming yep. January fifteenth. I mean, we're gonna ha- we'll have a little bit of a li- of a we'll have a little bit of a of a break during the holidays when the Mandalorian will be done, and then we come back hard with with WandaVision. What did you think about that? 
it, you know, it's funny. It, the, the first couple of things we're going to talk about today are things that we knew about because they announced them, you know, post Avengers Endgame and it, to kind of gin up excitement for Disney Plus. But it's interesting because this is the first Marvel project that we're going to see that really gets into the aftermath of Endgame. Oh yeah. Even more so than than the Spider-Man movie. I mean, this is really getting into the Avengers characters that we know and love and how they're dealing with the after effects of of Endgame. And it's almost like watching how Marvel Studios itself is dealing with the after effects of Endgame because everything they did for 10 years was building to Infinity War and Endgame. And now it's like we're in this this area where there's so many possibilities for things that they can do. And they're not tethered to one storyline with any of these characters. And we're starting to see them expand the universe even more. And I think that WandaVision is a really good first step for them as far as dipping their toe into the Disney plus water, because, you know, much like we've seen with the Mandalorian and how it's expanded the star Wars universe, like having this longer form storytelling and being able to tell an episodic story, I think is really going to work well with a lot of these Marvel characters. And the WandaVision story is one of those that I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out over the course of, you know, whatever six, eight episodes that they're doing. Yeah. And it's interesting that I think you made a good point there. And it's interesting that even if we had gotten the black widow movie this past summer that we were supposed to, it, it wouldn't have done that because it was set in the past. Right. So this was always going to be the first next step. Yeah. And I think knowing that Wanda uh, is going to be a part of the Doctor Strange movie uh, in the Multiverse of Madness also sets up a lot of intriguing possibilities. Oh, I mean, yeah. we we're getting teased that WandaVision is going to be the evolution of Wanda into the Scarlet Witch. Like we've seen her use her hex powers and in the various movies but we haven't really seen the the more mystical side of the Scarlet Witch character. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. supposedly that's what we're getting is her becoming full bore Scarlet Witch by the end of the show. Yeah. And, and they haven't yeah. even called her the Scarlet Witch. No. They've, I don't think they've ever referred to her by that name. No. And that's why I'm, I'm kind of interested to see, uh, if they end up going that direction and actually calling her Scarlet Witch on screen uh, here on out, like that would be yeah. a very cool thing for the character. You know, I, you made the point about how they've been building toward toward the you know in game, and this is the first time they kind of got to go beyond that and do something else. And I, one thing occurred to me, I just want to throw in real quick. Um, I, I, I honestly think that a lot of the second half of the build up to to Infinity War and Endgame was kind of made up on the fly. And I have no problem with that because, you know, when you lock in a plot, 
that's when these movies go wrong because they try to start forcing the characters to fit the plot. And I think that they did a much smarter thing, which was let the let the like phase one, phase two kind of grow organically. I think they always knew kind of the direction they wanted to go, but they let it kind of grow organically and just kind of they kind of herded the cats in the general direction rather than forcing them down a track. You know what I mean? And that way, right. when we got to Infinity War and Endgame, they were free to kind of write those scripts in a way that made everything to come together rather than having to force everything to come together to become those movies. It, it may be a subtle distinction, but it's kind of like the way Stephen King writes his novels, you know, where he lets, or, or George R. R. Martin, which you want, if you want to go to what can, what can go wrong, maybe, but you, you kind of let it organically <laughs> grow and you weed it and you, you kind of like see the way it wants to go. I, I have a, I have a very strong sense that, the whole Infinity War saga, there was as much kind of seat of your pants writing it as there was rigid plotting. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and especially in some of the major uh, plot twists towards the end of Endgame. Yeah. You know, I, I think that I don't think they knew no. going into to Infinity War that they were going to end this whole saga with Tony dying or, you know, doing what they did with cap. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so, so I do think that you're right, that some of this was more organic than we were led to believe all along. I mean, I, I've said all along that I think what Kevin Feige has done over the last 10 years is that he's had bullet points Mm -hmm. as far as the movies. It's like, we're going to make, this movie we're you know leading up to the avengers it was just we're going to make an iron man movie we're going to make a thor movie we're going to make a captain america movie and then we do the avengers i don't think he knew what the stories were going to be and i think it's the same way with the infinity war i think he knew we have to tell the story about the infinity stones and thanos trying to get them and a big fight and we want everybody involved but we don't know how we're going to get there or what we're going to do once we do. And I think that worked out very well because along the way you get happy accidents. Like you discover the Russo brothers yes. as being yes. the guys that should be shepherding the saga to an end. Um, you know, as much as I like Joss Whedon and some of the stuff that he did with the first two Avengers movies, you know, it's very clear that the Russo brothers were the right choice to make the other movies. And so, you you know, you have things like that happen, or you have things like you start to realize that certain actors have better chemistry than you expected. And so you start to write more for those characters and you, you start to do things with certain things. Like I would never have imagined that they would have figured out a, a, a comic chemistry between Chris Pratt as Star-Lord and Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Like, (laughs) you know, things like that, that just, you, you see it happen and you're like, Oh, we need to steer more in that direction. Um, you know, so I think you're right. And I, the, the thing that WandaVision is capitalizing on is the fact that even though we all know in the comics, Wanda and vision are a couple I don't think we could have expected that Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany Mm -hmm. would have clicked the way they did on screen. 
Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. and I really every time that they advanced their storyline in one of the movies, I was like, I want to see more of that. You know, I can't wait to see what happens next because we all know if you've read the comics, you know what's coming. And so it's exciting to see it build towards that. And that's why I think WandaVision is going to be really cool because we're going to get one of the best Wanda and Vision storylines played out, you know, in live action. And what I'm really kind of curious, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious where they're going to a certain degree with it is that, you know, she's lost the vision, she's got these powers and so that reality, that alter reality. And so it's pretty clear that she's altering reality to kind of give herself the dream life she might want. Right. So she and the vision are living this sort of TV happy couple life. And then reality starts to intrude. The question I have is like, who's responsible? Who's going to be like the big bad in it? That's going to, you know, you have to defeat other than just herself, her own delusions. And the other question I'm waiting to find out about it is, will they actually bring the vision back or will he, will he just be like, will he just be a delusion in her mind? Because he's dead, you know, and the, and the infinity, the the whole purpose, the whole thing that makes him exist, the infinity gem is gone. So I don't know how you bring him back other than through her power. And maybe, you know, maybe she has to go to another, another reality to get an infinity gem from there. And that opens up the whole multiverse of madness thing. Yeah. And and I think you're right. Cause that's the one question that I've had in the back of my mind is, does this mean, is this the last time we're going to see the vision and we're going to see Paul Bettany in the MCU or is this opening the door for vision being restored to life? And I think that's going to be a big question throughout the whole thing is the, how they're going to end it. Yeah. Well, let's go on to uh, Falcon and the winter soldier. That one looks interesting too. I, I found it interesting that from the new trailer of it, we get the sense that, they're like, I don't think they're serious, but they're like, like you know, knocking on each other. There's a lot of witty repartee back and forth. I guess if they were just, you know, happy, respectful allies, it wouldn't be near as interesting. But if they can kind of joke with each other, because they were both kind of like, they were both Cap's sidekick to a certain degree at different yep. times, just like in the comics. And so there's going to be a rivalry there. It's like two Robins getting together. You know, I was a better Robin. No, I was a better Robin, you know. And Batman is gone. And so I find it interesting that, that we're going to get some friction between them, even if it's only playful or whatever. I also like the idea that it, it, it seems to have a kind of a... See, I thought it was going to have kind of like the second Cap movie, kind of like a spy thriller vibe. But it looks like it's going to have a lot of, like, you know big screen superhero action too. We see the Falcon flying around being, you know, shot at and everything in a canyon. And so it looks like a interesting like like the second Captain America movie, an interesting combination of like espionage and superhero action, which I think is a great combination. Yeah, and you know, we've talked about this over the years like subtly over time the Captain America corner of the MCU has become my favorite <laughs> part to revisit and it it started i mean i i love the first movie but the winter soldier still holds up and it's still one of the best mcu movies they've made so far absolutely and the you know you hit on one of the things that i loved about 
those two characters, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, having Sam and Bucky, who their their only link to each other is Steve Rogers, and so you know they're they're friends because of a mutual acquaintance, you know, mm-hmm. and so they're not really friends. Their their best friend <laughs> was each other's best friend and they have to kind of work together because of that, because they're trying to carry on his legacy. And I loved in civil war that they took that to the next level and had that kind of, you know, witty banter back and forth. And you can tell that Sam really likes kind of elbowing Bucky a lot. And (laughs) that he enjoys that and Bucky doesn't and that, and one of the things I like about it is that Bucky's not the same person that he was in world war two. I mean, they've clearly done a really good job of making him the winter soldier and showing that he's dealing with a lot personally. I mean, there's demons that he's dealing with. And I think Sam's trying to help him through that in the, the way that Sam knows to help him through it, which is to be a little bit more lighthearted and just yank his chain as much as he can. And that's the part of it that I liked. But, you know, the other thing you mentioned was uh, Kevin Feige said when he introduced the trailer for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that this is a cinematic uh, feature film level series, that it's a, a Marvel movie told in six episodes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's going to be different from some of the other shows that we're going to get, because they're taking that cinematic approach to the storytelling with it and really expanding it and making it a big deal. And, you know, some of the other stuff that I'm excited about with Falcon and the Winter Soldier is we get Baron Zemo coming back. Although, you know, he's not Baron Zemo, but uh, Daniel Bruhl, is you know i love him and everything i've seen him in and he was great in civil war and i can't wait to see what they do with zemo in this and kind of what his next plan is because i i still make the argument that zemo in civil war may be the only villain in the entire 10 year 12 year history of the mcu that has been successful yeah <laughs> Like his the the plan he had worked. He destroyed the Avengers and tore them apart. And you know nobody else has really done anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm excited to see what they're going to do with Zemo. He's one of my favorite villains from the comics. And you know it, I I think this is going to be really cool. Um, I know they're bringing John Walker into this, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there's clearly going to be a fight for the mantle of being Captain America. And, you know, I even loved that at the end of the trailer, when you see the, uh, the logo come up, that there's echoes of the Captain America theme and the music and that they're really steering hard into this idea that, that they're trying to fight for what Steve Rogers believed in. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I love Daniel Bruhl. I loved him in Rush as uh, Nicky yes. Lauda, and um, he—I felt like he was 
he yeah he was very successful in a lot of ways in in Civil War, and yet he was also very underutilized. We barely saw him in the movie, right? He was in about. 30 seconds to, maybe I've forgotten but it, it felt like he was in about 30 seconds if that of the of the movie's runtime and so I'm I'm thrilled to have him back I, I guess we won't get the, the the pink furry uh stole around his neck or the mask glued to his face or whatever but uh which is always he was always one of the goofier you know in some aspects he's like a he's like a on the one hand he's like a nazi in the modern times like the red skull who is you know pretty scary but on the other hand he's a dude who has a mask glued to his face so and wore pink so he's he's a very he's a contradiction in a lot of ways you know and right. um what i'd love to see is set him up to start the thunderbolts yeah and that's one of the other reasons i'm glad they're bringing him back because I, I think you have to kind of expand his story a little bit as a mm. villain to set up the possibility of the Thunderbolt somewhere <sighs> down the road. And I, and I think that would be really cool. Yeah, I think that it would be um, – it's it, it's something that we haven't really seen in any other superhero movie so far. It would be like the masquerade thing. I mean, it would be kind of like Suicide Squad, but there's never any pretense with Suicide Squad. They're villains. Everybody knows it or whatever. They're just being you know made to do these things, whereas – as far as I understand it – whereas, you know, Thunderbolts are literally pretending to be heroes and to be people they're not. And it's – I think it would be a fantastic movie. I, I think it would be a great – a, a great direction for the MCU to go in, in the next couple of years. But, um, well, and, and I don't even know that you need to do a full blown Thunderbolts movie. I mean, you could just use the concept yeah. of, uh, Zemo forming the Thunderbolts and masquerading as heroes for some sort of villainous plot, uh, as a jumping off point for the next Avengers movie. I mean, it's so one of the things that we didn't get in, Feige's presentation was any sort of hint that they're going to do another Avengers movie. And I'm, I'm sure that's mm. because the calendar is kind of full right now and they don't really need it, but eventually, you know, oh, yeah. four or five, six years down the road, the Thunderbolts would be a great way mm -hmm. to springboard into bringing the Avengers back together because you, you know, the reason the Thunderbolts worked the first time around in the comics was because you had that void where the Avengers weren't around anyway. Right. And right. Zemo was able to take advantage of that vacuum to create his own, you know, superhero team. And I, I think that would be a great way to use the Thunderbolts in the MCU as well. God, now I want to do a whole show on on just uh, what villains from the MCU you'd bring into the Thunderbolts. We have to think of that for the future, <laughs> right? <laughs> do that for the future. That'd make a good uh, 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 one of those, like we did the Zoom panel on the um, drafting a team of heroes and drafting a team of villains during Dragon Con. I, I, that's, that might be a fun thing. Draft a team of uh, Thunderbolts. Well, let's move along. We've got uh, a new trailer for Loki. And I got to tell you, the more I see of this Loki thing, the more excited I am because <laughs> it's, it's clearly bringing in the, the, the it's, pretty, it's clearly setting up the environment within which Kang will operate. I don't know if Kang will be in it, but it's certainly setting up his environment, you know, the time variance authority and all that. Un unless right. Loki's going up against the Tennessee Valley Authority 
because they don't like his, his <laughs> they don't like his they don't like his stance on rural electrification and dams. So they're going to come after right. him for that. <laughs> but other than that, it looks so good. I mean, it had the perfect setup coming out of Endgame, just the perfect setup. And you got like the idea that if Loki's been jumping around, you will be seen about the new about Loki. Uh, yeah, I, I've said since they announced this show, uh, before we even knew anything about it, just that they were doing it and that he was going to be bouncing around through various time periods. My initial thought was Loki is becoming like the villainous version of Doctor Who. <laughs> and that's that right there sells me on the show. Like if it's just Loki going through different points of history and causing trouble, I would watch that in a heartbeat. But it seems from the trailer now, we, you know, we have a little bit more information. Like you uh, said, you know, we found out that the TVA is involved. Um, I, I liked that we got a glimpse of Owen Wilson and kind of what he's going to be doing. Uh, the, the thing I think is funny about Owen Wilson being in the show is I don't know if you've ever seen any of them, but when, uh, Tom Hiddleston, when uh, Thor came out and he started doing conventions, like one of the big things that people latched onto was that Tom Hiddleston is a very good uh, mimic and can do all of these great impressions of people. And Owen Wilson is one that is, you know, made its way around the internet, but Tom Hiddleston can do a perfect Owen Wilson. And I just thought it's so funny that now the two of them are in the same show. And I wonder if at some point they're going to have Loki uh, mock or mimic uh, Owen Wilson's character at all so that he can use his impression. Oh, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it looks and you know, Feige said in the, in the presentation that this is going to be more of a crime thriller. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I got the impression that, as much as Loki may be in trouble with with the TVA, that they actually might be using him in some way to to go on some missions, or that they something's going on and he needs to go steal things. Like to me, I think that's the setup of the show. At least mm -hmm. the impression I got, uh, especially since we got uh, there. There were clips throughout the trailer showing him on this this plane with a bag full of money and he jumped out of the plane towards the end of the trailer and you know you, you have to almost wonder are they setting Loki up to have been uh, DB Cooper yes or are, are they going to have you know Loki be responsible for all of these various crimes throughout history that we don't know who actually did it um, you know I think that would be cool That's so it, it's it's gonna be fun to, to watch that one that is hilarious. Yeah, I, th I thought about the same thing, too, when I saw the money come out of the back of that bag when he comes out of the plane and everything. I'm like, man. And and Feggy said something like, uh, this is going to be a crime thriller that we're dropping Loki in the middle of. I'm like, what? that's just crazy. And I also like the, I like the fact, speaking of Dragon Con a minute ago, I like the fact that apparently the Time Variance Authority's headquarters is Dragon Con. <laughs> it's the, right? <laughs> when you see that big, when you see that big uh, hotel, uh, you, when, when, when you see that scene of him in the elevator going down in the, and it's the cameras looking up for people that don't know when the camera looks up and you see all those weird shapes of the of the interior of a building that's the marriott 
in Atlanta where we have Dragon Con, one of the Dragon Con hotels. And it's there's a there's a famous quote from uh, from uh, uh, Ray Bradbury who said this hotel is science fiction, and it ends up being in movies and TV for that reason. There's, so that's a great connection between the, uh, the fans who love this stuff and the, and the, and the show. That's pretty cool. Um, you want to talk about Hawkeye for a second? Um, the Hawkeye, I think, is going to be fun because I, I really liked Jeremy Renner and what they've done with him as Hawkeye. Um, you, know, you and I have talked over the years that we haven't really gotten the actual comic book version of Hawkeye uh, in the MCU that they've kind of turned Tony Stark into the comic book version of Hawkeye personality wise. Yeah. But, but every once in a while we've gotten uh, some flashes of the comic book Hawkeye in Jeremy Renner's performance. And so I'm interested to see, I mean, this is going to be more based on, uh, you know, some of the stuff that Matt Fraction did with the character and, you know, they're bringing Kate Bishop in. So, you know, we're, we're clearly going to get, you know, Hawkeye being the mentor to a new uh, character mm. who's going to take up the mantle and be Hawkeye somewhere down the road. So, you know, it, it's interesting. And we'll talk about this a little bit more as we get further into some of the other announcements, but they're bringing in a lot of younger characters that are taking on the role of some of the legacy characters. And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see where they go with it. Yeah. I was just going to, I was just thinking the same thing, which is that we're going to have Cassie Lang and we're going to have Kate Bishop. We're, 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 we're building up a nice little stable of young Avengers there. And if Kane, with Kane coming along, that could somehow, I don't know, somehow give you a, an iron lad. And then, you're you're really close to having the Young Avengers, which is which was a. I mean, I I don't know how many folks out there are familiar with Young Avengers, read it, uh, remember it, but it. I thought it was done incredibly well. Great writing, great art, and it was it's a type of it was a type of thing that could have been very bad and ended up being very good. And so I would love to see the Young Avengers at some point. I don't know. Do you do them as like the Teen Titans and you keep a, a JLA, you know, with your regular Avengers, or do you like let them become the new Avengers? Oh God, new Avengers! I don't want to go there. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of directions they could go with that. And the other thing I'll say about Hawkeye, and if there's anything else you want to add, I've never read the the, the famous Hawkeye limited series from the last few years that this is supposed to be based on. Certainly, the the imagery we're getting seems to be based on the the dress of that comic. I've yes. never read it, and so people tell me it's very good, and I will like it, and that's all I really need to know. Um, I've never been a huge Hawkeye fan. I respect the character. Occasion, I, I early Hawkeye, I really didn't like at all. I felt like he just he was the turd in the punch bowl for the early Avengers. But um, later on, he became very interesting. Certainly, when he was in the Thunderbolts, he was very interesting. Uh, so I'll I'll certainly watch it. But it's not one I'm really looking forward to. Am I wrong? What am I missing? No, I mean it's it. It does seem like they're trying to uh, w- with Hawkeye. I mean, it's almost like they're they're trying to make sure they've got things to follow up these first three big shows that they have coming out. I mean, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Loki. Are, were already being planned before Disney Plus 
took mm-hmm. off and before Marvel Studios really realized, hey, maybe this is something that we can use as a tool to get more content out there. And now I think they're jumping whole hog into it and they're trying to figure out what they can do with some of the star power that they have. And instead of introducing new characters, we need to take advantage of being able to use each one of these characters in kind of their own solo series or pairing them together with another character. Um, and, and so I think that's what it is. I mean, I, yeah, the, the miniseries that you're talking about was good. And Hawkeye always seems to be the character that whenever the Avengers fall apart is the one that is trying to keep things together in the comics. Like, you know, he, he went and founded the West coast Avengers, you know, with the Thunderbolts, Mm -hmm. he was trying Mm -hmm. to have another team Mm -hmm. to kind of pick Mm -hmm. up some of the slack that he felt the Avengers weren't picking up. Um, You know, he's always been there to try and pull together some heroes and recreate the magic of the Avengers. And I think that's because in the comics, the Avengers saved him. And in, in the MCU, Hawkeye's a different character. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they bring Kate Bishop into it and how they build that mentor mentee relationship with the two of them, uh, knowing that it's a different take on the character for the live action version. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I'm, I, yeah, it's just true. He, he's been a very useful character for Marvel over the years. Just, not always my favorite. And he has become kind of a, a punchline lately, so I'm hoping that they'll maybe rehabilitate him a little bit. Um, what if we got an animated, we got a trailer for, a, for an animated what if, and without giving too much away, I, think it's a, I don't think it's a spoiler when you're guessing, but it, it seemed to me that there was a, um, and off the top of my head, I'm going to forget now, I'd kind of, I think it was kind of obvious what at least two of the what ifs, oh, 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 um, uh, Peggy Carter clearly is, it took the super soldier formula. I mean, they, that was obvious, right? right? Yeah. And, yep. and the, and the other one was, um, there was another woman who had gotten the something I forgot now. Um, I thought I had all these notes, but I didn't have that down. Anyway, well, it looks like the, the other, thrust, it looks like the thrust of this is going to be different people are the character, are the, are the characters instead of the ones we know, which it's just, yeah. Like the, the other big one that I remember was they, they show, uh, Yondu, Yes, and the, the Reavers coming, and, and instead of getting Peter Quill, they pick up T'Challa yeah. from Wakanda, and so you know it's what that one is clearly what if you know Black Panther was Star Lord, um, you know so you know I always liked the what if comics for what they were because you know every once in a while you'd get a really cool one mm-hmm. and the the take on the the what if scenario played out to its fullest extent always ended up being bad like there, <laughs> yes. was, there was there was never one that worked out to where you were like oh that was better than reality 
Yeah, it's, it's right. It's always the watcher saying, see, you may not have liked this story, but look what, how much worse it could have been if not. But, you know, you, you, you break a good point here. Make me think of this. There were really, there may have been more, but I can think of two basic what-if premises in the comics. One was, what if this person had done so-and-so instead of this person? And the other one was, what if this famous story had gone a different way, right? So you right, either get right. like, what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? What if Conan lived in the 20th century? Or you would get like, what if you know Korvac had defeated the Avengers, you know, or what if Galactus had defeated the Fantastic Four? Something. It was always, you know, it was either the characters different or the story is different. It looked to me like this show is focusing on the character-based stories, at least from what we've seen. I'm curious to see if they'll do something like, what if Civil War had come out differently, you know, or what if, um, you know, what if Doctor Strange had had not seen the right, you know, endgame path or whatever well i guess half right but you know they they could do their stories they could do too and and i so i think the the hook that they're trying to use for this is that it's these alternate takes on mcu history but it's also using the voices of the the mcu character so i mean we've we've got Haley atwell doing peggy carter and they've yeah. got Michael Rooker doing Yondu. And so, you know, they're they're trying to hang their hat on the fact that they're using the talent from the the actual movies to voice their characters for what if. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I think it's it's gonna have the same effect that the what if comics had, which is it's a it's a cool novelty, but you know, how many times, like you said, can you see the same story play out where it's like, okay, this character's actually filling this role or, you know, mm-hmm. the, the outcome's different. You know, we, we get it. Like we've seen that. And like I said, I mean, that was for me as a reader reading the what if comics, like you could almost see the ending coming if you read enough of them, because you knew it was always going to end up with like things going badly. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's usually that the somebody has to sacrifice themselves or something, and you know, um, there's going to be Jim a in the grand tradition, though hopefully not with the same level of quality, but much better in the grand tradition of the Star Wars holiday special from 1978. There's going to be a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, it, probably the holiday season of 2022 that they're going to film while they're filming Guardians of the Galaxy 3 for 2023. Now, the first thing that jumps out to me at that is cool. The second thing that jumps out to me at that is we got the first Guardians in 2014 and the second in 2017. It's going to be six years. I mean, I I guess you can count the two Avengers movies as kind of Guardians of the Galaxy movies, but that's a long time to go. between. And 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 part of it goes back, of course, to to the director and everything and all that mess, but... um, you know, they kind of had to. He had to kind of spend some time in the in the wilderness before he could come back. But um, <laughs> but um, kind of like Marv Albert or something. But you know, but eventually he did. And and um, gun. But um, I I don't know. I I feel like a lot will have changed. And I you know I, I'm looking forward to the fun of it. But it almost feels like too long. What do you think about all that? Well, it, the the thing to me that I think is interesting is the timing of. The holiday special, the the Christmas season before we get 
volume three of the movie coming out, you know, that following summer. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's, to me, it seems like it's going to be too close together. And, you know, I wonder, you know, how much of the holiday special story is going to feed into the movie and vice versa, or, you know, are they going to actually use the holiday special to set up something really cool to make people want to go see the movie? Um, you know, I, I agree with you. I, and the other thing is, as far as the timing, the, the spacing between volume two and volume three, I mean, you know, we've had kind of a lost year here as far as, you know, movie production in, in general goes. Yeah. So, you know, we may have seen volume three come out a year earlier. Um, but also, like you said, I mean, there, there was behind the scenes issues because, you know, James Gunn was fired and then rehired and, you know, they, I think they lost some traction because of that. Oh, and yeah. as much as they may have wanted to keep the, the consistency of James Gunn fulfilling his ultimate vision for the guardians of the galaxy series, you know, you, you do lose some traction because you fired him and then didn't immediately replace him. And we're kind of trying to figure out what you wanted to do with that franchise. So, you know, I, I think that, It'll be okay, but it is going to be kind of weird that there was that much time off. I mean, it's almost, to me, uh, you know, and and you'll understand this a little bit more than some people may. You know, if you look at the the spacing of the Daniel Craig James Bond movies, like, there's been a lot more time in between his movies compared to some of the other James Bonds. Absolutely. And I, I think at some point you get... Uh, a period where the character has been away for so long that you almost have to get people re-excited about it. And you can't really take advantage of the momentum you built from the last movie because they've been away for so long that people have moved on to other things. And so I, I, I think some of your, your worry about the, the time frame might be true, but I think the holiday special is going to be a way for Marvel to get people excited about the franchise again. And and when you've got 86 million people that are subscribing to Disney plus, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people that watch that holiday special. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It should be fun. I wonder if it'll be more of like a, like an actual story. Or just like the actors cutting up or some combination or like a framing device. I mean, there's just a lot of directions that go. While we're, while we're talking about this, let's go ahead and knock out Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Anything else we want to say about it um, while we're talking about it? I, the, the, again, the thing I worry about because of the time frame is they had just reestablished this new Gamora and, you know, she hadn't gone through the changes that the original Gamora had. And so she was kind of hostile to Peter Quill. It's like we, we, we put all that investment into her relationship with, with Star-Lord going from I hate you to I love you, basically. Now they're back to I hate you again. And I wonder if in 2023, will it still be that way? Will any time have passed in the, in the, in the universe or will we just pick right back up where we left off at the end of 2019? Or, 
You know, I'm, that's the thing I'm curious about is that what really makes the Guardians work beyond the different colored skins and of the aliens, you know, and the crazy spaceships and all, and the humor, what makes it work is the chemistry and the relationships among those diverse characters. And I, I wonder what, you know, will Groot be all the way be back to being Groot again instead of baby Groot or teen Groot? I mean, there's... There's a lot of water that can go under the bridge, the cosmic bridge, you know, between then and then. So I don't know. Well, and, and the other thing, and, and we'll we'll touch us a little bit more when we get to talking about Thor later on. But you know, it, Endgame ended with Thor going off with the Guardians. Mm-hmm. So you know, we we've got to pick that thread up. And I was very excited about that. I mean, the the idea of Thor becoming a part of the Guardians of the Galaxy and being used in some of those more bigger, more cosmic sort of storylines kind of opened up some some areas of opportunity with Thor. And, you know, are, are we going to have Thor as a part of the crew for Volume 3? Or are they going to use the next Thor movie to explain why he's not with the Guardians anymore? I mean, there's... There's a lot that they kind of left on the table that they need to sort out between now and volume three coming out. Yeah, that's right. Um, let's see. We've got, do you have anything to say about I am Groot, the TV, the little TV shorts? I No, I mean, I think it's, they're, they're just, they, they, they've done a lot of kind of short form stuff with Disney plus. And, mm. you know, I've watched some of them. I mean, some of the toy story characters have been used in some short stuff and they've used Mickey and Minnie and some things. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me that they're going to try and do that with some of the Marvel characters and using baby Groot. I mean, it's, it's a cute character. You can definitely put him in lots of cute, (laughs) funny situations that work well in a short. Yeah. Uh, You know, I I almost imagine that the shorts are going to be along the lines of the uh, bomb diffusing scene from volume two. Yeah, that's pretty much going to be every single one of them or the scene when, you know, they sent Groot to go get the arrow and and try and save the day in volume two. I mean, there there was lots of things that they did with baby Groot that were cute that they could use a short to do. Well, they see baby Yoda dominating and they they want to get their other baby character in there. I mean, right. I mean, baby Yoda even, you know kind of ripped off baby Groot with the wiring thing in one episode of Mandalorian, not to give away a spoiler, anybody hadn't seen it, but, but, um, they, they even had baby Yoda doing a baby Groot thing. I'm watching that going, Oh, there, this is baby Groot. Come on. So I'm not right? surprised they're cross pollinating there. Um, I guess there's not a lot to be, we've already talked about in the past black widow movie. It's, it's, it should have already been out by now long since, uh, we're just having to wait on it some more. I'm excited because it's going to have, I don't know if I love Red Guardian being played for laughs, but that's fine. It's it's that actor that's that's pretty entertaining from from Stranger Things. Um, but I love that it's got the Taskmaster in it. I'm 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 excited about this yes. movie just to see the Taskmaster. Taskmaster. And you know the thing that I love about this more than anything is uh, they've not made a big deal at all about who's playing the Taskmaster. That's true. I mean it's it's almost like you know he's supposed to be this nameless, faceless person. Yeah, and we're not supposed to know who he is, and I, I kind of like that uh, because it fits the character. That's cool. And, I hadn't thought about that. And you know, and this kind of goes back to you know 
something that we were talking about with WandaVision and is this going to be the last time that we see Paul Bettany play the vision? Um, I kind of wonder if this is going to close the book on Natasha and Scarlett Johansson being a part of the MCU. Um, You know, they're clearly setting up her sister to kind of take over the mantle uh, moving forward. But are they going to leave the door open for us getting more Black Widow adventures starring Scarlett Johansson? Yeah, that's a good point. I I sort of suspect not, but if it made a billion dollars, they'd probably bring her back. (laughs) Yeah, but it it definitely gets harder and harder because, you know, unless they figure out a way to bring her back to life, um, you know, anything you do with her playing Natasha has to be done as a flashback. Yeah. I think that hurts this movie from the beginning. I mean, actually, I think that I th- I'm. This is going to sound weird. I think the delay, depending on how many people are actually going to the movies next 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 summer, all things being equal, this might actually have helped it because I think it was still too soon in some ways after she died, in such grandiose and you know emotional fashion in Endgame to turn right around and have her in a flashback movie. But now a little time has passed, and I'm kind of like, okay, I'm ready to see Black Widow. That's cool. It's it just yep. it, it having a little time, you know, helped to me. I don't. I, maybe I'm the only one, but that, that it just feels better to me to do this now, you know, in the in the in the months to come than it would have so soon to her dying in that in that movie. Just a year later, it would have been, you know. So. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I I think it, it, we we needed a little bit of breathing room yeah. before we revisit that character. In fact, Jim, I'm going to make the argument to you right now. That I think that in some ways 2020 has maybe helped the MCU because I think after Endgame and then the little coda with Spider-Man, I think we needed a breath. We needed to like just take a little time. I, I think that they, if they had planned it this way, it wouldn't have been a bad idea. You don't want to lose your momentum. I get that. But also, you kind of need to let the fan. I mean, their way of taking a breath in the past has been to give us like an Ant Man movie, a Spider Man movie, you know, something that's kind of lighthearted more, and then you go back to the serious stuff. But I think maybe after Endgame, we needed a hard break, you know, just to get away from it for a little bit and, and refresh the batteries. Well, because, and, and you might know this off the top of your head better than I, because I, I lose track of all the rescheduling, but. So this year we would have had, had all things been normal, um, Black Widow yeah. earlier in the year. And that would have been May of this past year. I believe so. And then we would have had Eternals yep. now. Yep. But what was, there, was there a third one that was going to come out this year? Was... I you know I know that the the next ones I'm, up on the docket were the Thor and the Doctor Strange movies, but I'm not sure. Yeah, and I think those would have been 21. Yeah, under the, I the original schedule. Yeah, I think that might have been it, and I think Shang Chi uh, was going to come yeah, up like in right. the spring of next year too. Yeah, so I mean we we would have gotten Black Widow you know, earlier in the year. And then we'd be talking about the Eternals right now instead of, yeah. you know, everything. And I, and I think um, the TV shows would have come out a little bit sooner. I think WandaVision would have already come out. Yeah. And and if I remember correctly, that was going to come out at the beginning of 2020. Yeah. It feels like it's been in the, in the, so, in the case for a while. 
So we probably already, I mean, that would have been the first thing it, that would have been before black widow came out. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But I think it worked out all right. It's not like we, I've, I've said many times, thank God Endgame wasn't coming out this year. You know, just imagine. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we got everything. We got the end of game of Thrones and the end of the Avengers saga, both in 2019, right in the nick of time. Those two huge multi-year epics that had their big finales within about a month of each other. And then within a year of that, less than a year of that, you get this pandemic and the movie theater shut down. I mean, they just couldn't have worked out better <laughs> than the, the timing on all that. My goodness. Right. Uh, this wasn't going to be a very good movie year anyway. So I think it really, if you're going to pick a year to have this, this was 2020 was the one to do it. Now, yeah. we got a few more TV shows to go, but they're ones that we don't really have any kind of release date for. Um, I want to run through some of the movies real quick, too. If you have any thoughts, I'm really looking at the cast of Shang-Chi. And the Legend of the Ten Rings. The cast looks awesome. You got Aquafina, you've got Michelle Yeoh, which is kind of like when you do yes. a, a when you do a big budget movie with mainly Asian characters in the United States. You got to go get Aquafina and Michelle Yeoh. It seems like that's just du rigueur, and that's great because I love them both dearly. Um, but um, but the other, you know, Ken Lung, I believe it is, is playing the Mandarin, although he's not credited as the Mandarin. And right. <laughs> the, the the actor that set it to be Shang Chi apparently is getting rave reviews. I'm very excited about about that movie. Yeah, and and the cool thing about it is, I think that could be one of those movies that surprises everybody because um, you know to to the general you know movie going populace, uh, the characters unknown, the backstories unknown, you know. But they very smartly uh, are using the Mandarin as the villain, yes. which has already been established through Iron Man, which is your you know biggest <laughs> hero in the Marvel universe. So you know you're you're using some previous story set up to get the audience invested in this character that they have no earthly knowledge of, and and then like you said, using some some very recognizable actors uh, in the cast works for me. Uh, you know, it's funny, uh, you know, I was thinking about Michelle Yeoh the other day and how, uh, I don't know if you've been, you are a fan of the heroic trio movies that she was in um, like 30 years ago, 35 years ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I was thinking about that was the first time I saw her and she had to have been in her twenties when she made those movies and you know how blown away I was with her, and I'm just—I was sitting there thinking about it the other day and thinking, well, she's in Star Trek, mm -hmm. she's going to be in a Marvel movie, like Bond she's girl. still, like she's been in a Bond movie, like I—I I just love that people are still uh, putting her in, in really big projects. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I don't know what else there's to say about Thor: Love and Thunder other than Taika Waititi. The Revenge of Taika Waititi, what should be called. But, I mean, you know, people either love the third Thor movie and felt like it was the breath of fresh air the franchise needed, or they hated it because it didn't take seriously a character that they, you know, take seriously and they liked the first or even the second movie. 
I'm I've always been of two minds about it. I like the first and second movie, but I also admit that they had shortcomings. I might have preferred a better third Thor movie that was still trying to be like the first two, just better. Instead, they kind of went in a direction that just said, "Screw it, let's have fun," and 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 it was a lot of fun. So, I'm I'm very divided on that third Thor movie. I don't I don't put it down at all. I just you know I'm like. Yes, it was great. Might have wanted something different with it, but what we got was was fine. So if we're going to get another one like that, again, it's just fine. I mean, do you have any strong feelings about that movie, Love and Thunder? Um, a couple of things that I think are interesting about it. It's going to be the first uh, solo movie, the solo character that's getting a fourth movie. Yes. Which, which of, of all the... Avengers characters, if you had said, well, Thor is going to be the only one that gets four movies, I would have been surprised. <laughs> well, I guess, though, Iron Man's gotten like nine, if you count, <laughs> if well, yeah. you count I mean, all he's, the movies he's, he's, he's taken on. over. He kind of comes in and takes over other people's movies, which makes some people mad, but makes me go, <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm happy with it. You know, I, I think it's interesting that they – they're using the Jane Foster as Thor storyline and they're, they're going big with Natalie Portman coming back to the MCU. And, and uh, they just announced recently that uh, Jamie Alexander is coming back to play Sif. So we're yes. finally going to find out why Sif was not with them for, you know, the previous two movies. Hey, I pointed out, I pointed out that, the reason that she didn't die in Thor Ragnarok was that the actress was not available. She and, was doing a TV show. Yeah, yeah, and it and it worked out really well because now she's still alive and gets to come back when the others don't. So it's it's it re- sometimes it works out really well that you you were you were not available for a movie. That's pretty funny. And I, I think it's interesting because of of what they did with uh, the Valkyrie character mm-hmm. and how they elevated her to being basically the ruler of the Asgardians on earth. You know, you've got this Thor movie that's coming out where it's Chris Hemsworth, uh, surrounded by all of these strong, powerful female characters. And then Christian Bale is joining the MCU to play the bad guy. Who I've never heard of, by the way, I've been a Thor fan my entire life and I've never heard of that character, but that's cool. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think we're getting to the point with with Thor. I mean, the the thing about Thor, the the whole run of the comics, and not that there haven't been, you know, good villains that they've used in that series, but I mean, when you think about Thor, he doesn't have like the the wide ranging rogues gallery like Spider Man has. I mean, with with Thor, it's basically like Loki, Curse, uh, the Enchantress, and the the executioner and you know, Malekith and then that's it. Like, yeah. you know, so you have to start going to some of the newer villains that they have to find people that can actually stand up to Thor. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, let's see. We've got, we got to mention black Panther too, because they said they will not recast T'Challa. How do you do that? What do you do then? You know, it's it's weird because I I keep changing my mind about this. I mean, there's a part of me that thinks, um, you know, it's perfectly fine to recast a part. 
you know, it's been done throughout movie history. Uh, so, you know, I, there's a part of me that thinks that they should keep T'Challa in the MCU and just recast it. But then again, you know, you look at what Chadwick Boseman did with the part and you just think to yourself, well, how do you find somebody to replace him? Yeah. I mean, he, he was the, the perfect person to play T'Challa. And he, he brought things to the character that, that surprised me and, and made the character better in my eyes. And so, you know, I, I just, I keep going back and forth and, and I understand, I, I, I do think that part of the decision to not recast it is more of a, a heartfelt decision and not a, a brain led decision. <laughs> but, you know, those, those people work with him and if they don't feel like it's respectful to recast it, then, you know, who am I to argue with them? Yeah. It is a shame. We only got one full movie and bits of a couple of others with him though, but that's just how things go sometime. And it's sad, but it's true. Um, I'm, do we have any idea about, we don't know anything about that movie. No idea about the villain or anything else or who will be the main character. If it's not him. I mean, I, I still think they're trying to figure that out. I mean, we know Ryan Coogler's coming back to write and direct it. Right. But I, I think, you know, they, they wanted to take enough time an, an appropriate amount of time to give some space yeah. before they started trying to figure out what they were going to do with it. Um, you know, I, I'm sure they'll figure something out and, you know, I'm, I would be surprised if they don't take advantage of Letitia Wright's amazing performance in Black Panther to elevate her character to be the new Black Panther. I mean, that that's just, seems to be the direction that they would probably go with it. Yeah, I would think. All right, let's zip along here. We've got a couple of other big things we got to talk about. Captain Marvel 2. I'm very excited about this, but all I really want to say about it is I'm, I'm excited that they're going to have a grown-up Monica Rambeau, and we're going to have Kamala Khan, the, the new Ms. Marvel, both in this movie. So it really is kind of having like a Captain Marvel little mini universe. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, the, you know, we, we had Marvel in the first one and we won't be seeing Marvel anymore. Uh, certainly not the Marvel I know, but, uh, but it still worked. I thought for the first movie. So we're getting the other ones. All we need now is I guess somebody called binary, you know, it's <laughs> a pop up. And uh, so well, you know, and, and we're, we're getting Monica Rambeau, uh, in the WandaVision series first. That's right. That's where right. Where she shows up in Captain Marvel. So I, I think it's going to be, and, and that's a cool way to do it too. I, I think it's interesting that they're taking more of a, an integrated approach with these Disney plus shows than they did with some of their other TV attempts. Yeah. Uh, Agents of shield. Um, but I, I, I've always liked Monica Rambeau as a character. And so I, I liked the fact that we saw her as a child in the first Captain Marvel movie and that they're using her as an adult now is even better for me. Yeah. Oh, I loved yeah. it. Yeah, I loved it. Um, let's see. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. <laughs> 
starring Kang. I just don't yeah, even know where to begin. Starring Kang. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm just calling it the Kang movie, guest starring Ant-Man and the Wasp, I guess. Um, I'm just so excited to have Kang. And Jonathan Majors looks like a big, tough guy that could pull off a great, great you know, deep voice, tough Kang. I'm excited about that. Um, I just couldn't be happier about all that. I, the only thing is, we've got to make sure this is introducing Kang, and this he's not a one-and-done in this movie, because right. he needs to be... I feel like we might touch on him a little bit in the Loki series with the Time Variance Authority. Pop him up here, and then he needs to go on and be like... I know everybody says the next big bad of the of the Marvel Cinematic Universe should be Galactus or Doctor Doom, but I feel like Kang could be a pretty good... 1A type menace for the next little while. The the cool thing about Kang as a character is you know, you, you say you hope he's not a one and done. You know, they could treat him in this Ant Man and the Wasp movie as a one and done character and end his his story arc or or however you want to say it in this Ant Man and the Wasp movie. And he can always come back because you know, he's always popping up from yeah. various periods of time or, you know, it's it could be a Kang that we haven't seen yet because he's coming from the future or the past or whatever. I mean, you know, you, Kang is such a cool character because of that. And, yeah, you know, absolutely. just because he gets beat doesn't mean that you're not going to see him you know, somewhere down the time stream. This is another one, by the way, that has its own little universe because you've got Ant-Man and the Wasp, but you've also got the Pims, both of them. Uh, and I guess Cassie. So it's got its own little world too. I like I like that there's like an Ant Maniverse, you know. <laughs> it's, and 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 it looks like it's going to be dealing with time and space. And it's funny how it's it's ostensibly a show about shrinking people, and yet it really goes into all kinds of interesting scientific, quasi scientific areas, you know, with quantum realm and all that. So so could, we're we're gonna I'm I'm gonna circle back to this. Hmm. Uh, at the end when we get to the final thing. But um, one of the things that I've liked about how they've used Hank Pym is that it's opened the door to that 1960s period of the MCU that we've only seen glimpses of in some of the movies. And one of my favorite sequences of the Ant-Man movie so far was that one bit where we got to see Hank and Jan on that mission together and yeah. you know it wasn't very long and but i i really hope because kang's a part of this movie that we're going to get some time travel and that we're going to see more of hank and jan when they were at their peak that would be cool yeah that would be cool um all right so we've got to talk about Spider-Man 3 and Fantastic Four for a minute, so let's get past Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. It's been announced for a while. There's nothing really new about it other than it it apparently ties into WandaVision. It ties into Spider-Man 3. There's going to be a lot of crossovers among those properties. So any thoughts, any new thoughts about Doctor Strange 2? No, I mean, I, I think Doctor Strange is going to be one of those Marvel movies that we get every once in a while. That is a table setter for other things. Yeah. I, I think it's it's going to have its own story that it's trying to tell. But I the the problem I have with some of those Marvel movies is that when they're the table setter movies, are they paying too much attention to trying to set the stage for other things 
versus telling the story of this particular movie. And, you know, I think there's a lot that they want to do coming out of Doctor Strange 2 with Wanda and with a multiverse and with Spider-Man and, you know, all the announcements that have been made about that Spider-Man movie um, are just blowing my mind. But, you know, I, I don't know that there's too much to say about Doctor Strange because yeah. we don't know how all of the pieces are going to fit together just yet. Well, let's get to that. And I'm excited. For Although the I am very oh. excited that Sam Raimi's doing it. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because we're about to talk about Spider-Man and yet we're talking about Sam Raimi with the Doctor Strange. But I think he works there just as well. So, But yeah, it looks to me like this third Spider-Man movie is basically taking its cues from the animated Spider-Man movie we had a year or two ago where you just brought in all these you know alternate universe versions of Spider-Man. It sounds like that's kind of what we're... My notes for Spider-Man 3 are it will include Doctor Strange and basically everybody else. So... Yes. <laughs> It's, 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 I mean, I assumed the third Spider-Man movie was going to be dealing with the fallout of J. Jonah Jameson and the end of the, and, and MJ and the end of the last one, which I barely remember now. And, and, uh, you know, him being, uh, hunted and everything. And I was assuming we were going to see the spider slayer and Dr. Smith. Instead, it sounds like it's going to be, it's going to turn into like a, a crazy, you know, infinity war type thing. So what do you make of all that? I it's weird because I think most of that is driven by Sony because they are they they have very stupidly made the decision that they don't want to keep working with Marvel anymore on Spider-Man movies and they want to take the roster of characters that they have access to through Spider-Man and have their own cinematic universe of Spider-Man characters and this is the way they're going to do it. And I think Marvel is trying to keep themselves tied into it as much as they can so that they still have access to Spider-Man as a character for their movies. Because my, my understanding of the deal is at some point, uh, Marvel's not going to be involved with the Spider-Man movies that Sony releases but they're still going to be able to use Spider-Man in an MCU movie, you know, so they can use Spider-Man in the Avengers or yeah. in a, a crossover yeah. sort of thing. Um, and I think this is the way they're going to do it. Um, they're trying to create this multiverse so that they can have a character bounce back and forth if they need to. That makes and sense. It, it's just to me, and we've seen it happen with DC in uh, their properties, when you start going down the road of, of multiverses, I think you end up confusing the general movie-going public. Like They, they don't want to know about 18 different versions of a character that could be floating out there. Like they, Everybody has their favorite, and you know we're going to stick to it. But I will say this, as a comic book fan, I think the the possibility of us getting Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield <laughs> and Tom Holland all in Spider-Man costumes, all on screen together, is amazing. At, it's a license to print money, basically. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So that 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 is the big thing there, is that 
it seems like Marvel in this next stage is just opening up the multiverse so you can do everything from what if to having 15 Spider-Mans in the same movie. And I, I think that, again, the success of the animated one where they kind of did that led them to think this is really, you know, this is the way, as we say. So um, we got there, right, We got a few shows to get to here in the last couple of minutes, but there's the big, but, but while we finish up, the, when we finish up the movies here, there's the big one, the the 800-pound Ben Grimm in the room, um, the Fantastic Four. And it's funny because people that aren't really in the know, but kind of half, you know, partway have a toe or two in, in fandom and all that. They're like, oh, another Fantastic Four movie. Well, I guess that's not a bad, I guess they could make another one. You know, the, the others weren't great, but why not make another one? Whereas I'm like, this is, this is Marvel. This is the MCU right. making a Fantastic Four movie. Those other ones have nothing to do <laughs> with this. This is this is the real deal at last. And if 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 anybody was going to do it, having the MCU crowd, having Kevin Feige doing it, ha- bringing in uh, is it the um, the Spider Man Far From Home and and Homecoming yeah, director John right? Watt. Yeah, I mean surely. Surely, if anybody can get the Fantastic Four, I mean, it's got to be this crowd, right? I mean, we we have to have hope. We have to think they're going to do it right, right? You would hope, and the, you know, I think the the trepidation, if I were Kevin Feige, that I would have is, I think you only get one shot at it. Yeah, like, I be because there's been so many attempts prior to this that introducing the fantastic four into the MCU, you're either going to get it right the first time, or you're not going to have another chance to, to come back and do it again. Um, There's not going to be any opportunity to fold them into one of the other franchises. So you can keep using the characters. Like I, they need to take their time with it. Um, one of the things I was encouraged about was that they didn't have a release date. He just announced they were working on it yes. and, and that they were working on it with John Watts and that they had a team that was starting to turn the wheels and get things in motion. So, you know, I don't care if it takes them another 10 years to get there as long as it's done right. Because like I said, I mean, my fear is if they do it wrong, then people are going to go, oh, well, this was another bad Fantastic Four. And the Fantastic Four is a franchise that right now is is such... You, you have to thread the needle so finely to be able to do it right. And I, I don't think you've got a lot of wiggle room uh, one way or the other. Like you, you have to give us the definitive version of the Fantastic Four with this movie... And make it fit with the rest of the MCU. Because I honestly, I mean, I think this is what they're going to put the next phase of the fan of the MCU on is everything that comes out of Fantastic Four. Because like you said earlier, I mean, who's going to be the big bad mm-hmm. that we're building to the next end game with? You know, it's it, it could be Doctor Doom. It could be Galactus. You know, you either one of those works but they both come out of the fantastic four and kang does in terms of legal rights oddly enough right. so all three of so, those you have their roots in the ff yeah and so i i think 
if if you're going to go down that path to Galactus or or Doctor Doom, you know it has to go through the Fantastic Four, and you have to get those characters right. And I my only hope is, you know, like I said this when they were getting ready to do the first Captain America movie, I kept saying it has to be a period piece, it has yes. to be in World War II. Like we need his origin, and we need to see him being Captain America punching Nazis. Yes. Like, and, and then you can bring him to the present day. I That's feel right. almost the same way about the Fantastic Four. Like Amen. to me, preach, preach it. That's I would be preaching. fine, and and that's why I said earlier, you know, I like that we've only gotten glimpses of the 1960s MCU. Like we need a 1960s pre-space age set Fantastic Four movie, and then have them get lost in the negative zone for 50 years and have them reappear. Like that to me is the way to do it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the negative zone is the quantum realm or part of it. It's what they call it back in the sixties. Yes. Which, which is how you tie it into all of the other stuff that you've got going on. Absolutely. I I think it, it really, you can even, you know, and and the great thing about Kang being a part of this Ant-Man and the Wasp movie is, you almost give yourself a license to make that post-credit sequence for Ant-Man and the Wasp tie into the Fantastic Four and drop an Easter egg setting that up. Yeah, that'd be so good. That'd be so good. I mean, yeah, I I said before, I thought that they go, they're they're like, in in 1962, they go into the quantum realm or the negative zone if you want to be separate. And then, like, chasing Doctor Doom, or he's chasing them, or they're fighting, and they go into it, and they come out, and it's 2022, and um, they're followed out maybe by Annihilus and Blastar or something, so they have a couple of their other Negative Zone villains, you know, involved. But you can build, and that way you don't make this one all about Doctor Doom, you build him up like you built, built up Thanos, and you have him fighting, you know, somebody, a friend of mine suggested they fight the Mole Man, because that lets you, you know, you have the big monsters. It lets everybody kind of use their powers effectively. Somebody suggested uh, Johnny Galicki as the mole man, which kind of works for me <laughs> So from Big Bang. So, uh, yeah, I just think there's so much that they could do. But I'm 100% on board with you that it, they... It 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 I, I think it needs to be to the it needs to be like Captain America, except that I don't know that the entire first movie would need to be in the '60s. I think you'd only need a few minutes of it. You need to establish them and their relationships, and then you throw them through the through the negative zone or whatever very quickly. Of course, they may not go that direction at all, but I think that that would really work um, very effectively. It just—it's hard for me to imagine that it, it's that hard to screw up the Fantastic Four, and yet over and over and over, it's been done. It seems like the most like, basic thing in comics. Like I said, I mean, I, I feel like the the other attempts um, have either been like too over the top with yeah. the schmaltzy, you know, part of it, or they've dialed it the other direction where it's like, well, we can't be too old fashioned with it. We need to make it more updated and, and of the now. So we're going to make it all dark and depressing. And it's like, you know, that's not the fantastic four. Like the fantastic four needs to have that sense of adventure and excitement about exploring the unknown. And, you know, they haven't quite captured that. 
You know, I'm going to, I'll put it to you this way. I hadn't thought about it this way before, but I, you made me think of something there. I'm going to say this. I think that the Fantastic Four are, in a way, the most DC of the Marvel main characters. They they could almost be a DC set of characters in a, in, in, oh, sure. in a comic. But on the other hand, they are the bridge that led from that kind of storytelling to the Marvel kind of storytelling. They're, they're kind of in that middle ground where they, they have one foot in that sort of four-color, you know, very extreme in every direction characters that are very one note in a way, you know. But on the other hand, and simplistic stories to begin with, but on the other hand, they led the way into the more complex Marvel universe, and they were kind of the doorway through which Stan and Jack introduced so much of the Marvel universe. So they're they are so pivotal. You know, they are so pivotal to comics, to the Silver Age, to Marvel writ large. They are so important. I just feel like, no pressure, guys, but you've got to get this right. You know, you've got to get this right. And, and that's the thing that I think they're feeling is, you know, sure, they can keep making movies and, and TV shows set in the MCU for decades to come and not run out of characters. But the idea that, that Marvel Studios of of all creative people cannot put together a good Fantastic Four movie, you know, almost seems like we shouldn't even be talking about it. Like it, it should be a foregone conclusion that this movie is going to be great, but you do worry because it's such a fine line to walk. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's the movies. The last thing we have to look at, I'm just going to throw these out. Let's, I'm going to run through these real quick, and then if you have any thoughts, there's a couple I have a couple of thoughts on and a couple I don't. So here's what we're getting that have no release dates yet TV-wise. There's Ironheart starring Dominique Thorne, which is apparently an armor thing related to Iron Man. Okay. There's Armor Wars featuring War Machine, Rhodey. There's Secret Invasion featuring Nick Fury and Ben Mendelsohn, the Skrull. There's Moon Knight with no casting or anything yet. There's She-Hulk now, with... Did they not... So or, so I, I don't want to stop you too quick, but with Moon Knight, or is, is it still just a rumor that Oscar Isaac is playing Moon Knight? I haven't heard anything. I didn't see any confirmation okay. of, of cast. Uh, She-Hulk has Tatiana Maslany and Tim Roth and, and maybe Hulk himself. And then the Ms. Marvel teenager has Iman Villani, and she'll also be in Captain Marvel 2. Okay. Um, a couple that I want to mention. I know nothing about Ironheart, but I'll certainly watch it. It's Iron Man related. Armor Wars was a big Iron Man storyline. They're shifting it to War Machine. That's fine. Give him something to do. Everybody loves Rhodey. It's a cool... That's, that's fine. Secret Invasion I could live without, but it gives Nick Fury something to do. And I like Ben Mendelsohn, uh, and it's kind of related to Captain Marvel. That, that's fine. Um, She-Hulk, I'll just run through them real quick and then you can. She-Hulk, yeah, it sounds fun. Not a favorite character, but it, she's a great actress and it could be fun. Ms. Marvel, again, I've never read any of her stories, but I like the idea that there's like a Pakistani superheroine, you know, who is related, you know, to character related to Captain Marvel and, and they're using that name again. That's wonderful, diversity, beautiful, love it, love it. But Moon Knight is one of my top, you know, three or four Marvel characters always has been. This is the one that absolutely I'm excited about over the moon about, you might say. <laughs> and I'm really curious to see 
how grim and gritty and serious and dark they do it versus how superhero-y, because it is Marvel's Batman in a way. And, you know, do you make it like the grim... Will will Marvel out-Batman DC? That would be so funny in a world where... The um, you know the Avengers have upstaged JLA and Thanos has upstaged Darkseid. It would be so funny for Moon Knight to upstage Batman, at least in terms of quality. So, your thoughts on those six series that are just out there somewhere? Yeah, I mean, we, well, we talked about it earlier. I mean, I think some of these shows they're they're throwing out there because it's an easy concept mm-hmm. to market and. They need content for Disney+. Plus. Um, I like the idea of, of them doing an Armor Wars series using Rhodey because I don't think we've really ever seen Don Cheadle get to do anything Amen. as James Rhodes. And I, I, I wish he would get to play the Jim Rhodes from the comic. Yeah. And I'm hoping that's what we get with this show. Um. Because I, I really like the idea of Rhodey being in a situation where he's going to protect the legacy of Tony Stark. Um, you know, much like we talked about with Falcon and the Winter Soldier being, you know, Steve Rogers' best friends kind of protecting his legacy. That's what I imagine the Armor Wars show being is, you know, Rhodey feeling an obligation to protect this technology that Tony invented and make sure that it doesn't fall on the wrong hands. Uh, so that could be really cool. Um, I've said since they started talking about the She-Hulk show that um, all you have to do is tell people it's, you know, Ally McBeal meets the Incredible Hulk and <laughs> you know, you've pretty much sold the show. But but I do like the fact that they, they cast uh, Tatiana Maslany. I mean, I think she's going to be great. Uh, I think we're at a point now, effects-wise, where we don't have to worry about it looking cheap. Um, you know, because one of the things, and, and it's funny because they actually had the Hulk do this in Endgame, but one of the, the major character traits of She-Hulk was once she became She-Hulk, once she received that ability um, through the blood transfusion she got from Bruce Banner, she always stayed in the She-Hulk persona. Yeah, like she yeah. very rarely went back to her human form because, as as a person, she liked it. Yes, that's cool. She liked yes. being She-Hulk. She mm-hmm. she wasn't the mousy little woman that got pushed around, and she liked that. So. I'm hoping that they touch on that in the show and that we get some of that. But then the other thing is um, they made a point to say that uh, Jennifer Walters as a lawyer specializes in taking on uh, cases that are related to superheroes. So how much more crossover are we going to get with, you know, some other characters that we may not know about right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think it would be fun just to see Easter eggs dropped in to that show of, of her being involved tangentially with other things. Uh, so, I mean, that could be fun. Uh, Moon Knight is one that I'm really looking forward to because if, if they can come close to what they did with Daredevil 
on the Netflix shows mm-hmm. with Moon Knight, then it's going to be something special because that character has a lot to dig into. Yeah. And <laughs> you, you touched on the fact that it's basically Marvel's Batman. Well, there Marvel has like three or four characters that are like Marvel's version of Batman. Mm-hmm. And the, the one thing that I like about Moon Knight and always have is uh, he started out as a character using all of these different personas as kind of disguises. And then they revealed that he had uh, some personality disorder and was having a hard time differentiating between which personalities were real and which weren't. And then you throw in the fact that he starts talking to the moon God Khonshu and maybe thinking that he is Khonshu at some point. Um, there's a lot of story possibilities with that character. And I think it could be a really cool show. Absolutely. Um, as far as the secret invasion show, I mean, like you said, I mean, it feels like they just want to give Samuel L. Jackson something to do <laughs> until they get around to using him in movies again. And I, it seems weird to me that they're doing an entire, you know, series with secret invasion and only using those two characters as as kind of like the main characters of the show, like secret invasion to me seems like a bigger uh, storyline that, that you really need some of the main characters in the MCU to be a part of. I, when I look at those, I guess the, the, the things, the other thing that jump out to me, I'm glad that they're doing another Iron Iron Man type character so that it doesn't just go away. And if, if Dominic Thorne is the answer, that's awesome. I have no idea, but I'm looking forward to checking it out. And um, be cool to have Tim Roth back in the MCU. He was at the very beginning as the abomination. And I, the thing about the Ms. Marvel character is, you know, it has nothing to do with the character. I love the idea of a, of a, of a Pakistani, like I said, Muslim young woman who's got a lot of cultural things to deal with and, you know, in terms of being a superhero and all that's, that's great. That just creates stories. I'm not a big fan of, of Mr. Fantastic type stretchy characters, which is what seems like her powers are. Her powers don't really fit into the whole, you know, the, the whole Marvel family of Captain Marvel. Their powers are always like they're blasters, as we say in the, you know, like in City of Heroes, they're blasters. They're not stretchies. Yep. And so I just don't really under... The only thing I've ever seen her do is like have a big fist. That's the only thing I've ever seen her do. I haven't even seen her do creative things like Mr. Fantastic where he'd squeeze through a keyhole, you know, or under a door or something. She basically just kind of like has a big fist. I'm, I'm assuming I just haven't seen enough yet and that it will become apparent to me because apparently she's very popular. And that's great. Well... From a power standpoint, though, you almost hope that you don't see it because you want the first time you see stuff like that happening with Reed Richards and not another character. Yeah, that's true. That's Reed's calling card other than the fact that he's one of the smartest people on the planet. And so, you know, it's going to be hard if they establish another character has that power set. And then we bring Reed Richards in, you know, four years down the road. Yeah. Because, because right now, I mean, we, we don't have a human torch character. We don't have 
an invisible woman Sue Storm character. You you've got some big brawny powerhouse characters like the thing, but his personality and his appearance is what sets him apart anyway. So, you know, if, if you set up another character that has Reed's same power set, then Reed becomes less special when you see the fantastic four for the first time. Yeah. That's another part of it too. I, I, but I guess if she had captain Marvel powers, that would be the same thing there. So I, I'm, I'm just, I'm curious to see if they can do something with her that's more original because I want her to be good and I don't want to have any, I don't want to be like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want yeah. there to have to be anything I'm, I'm unhappy about with her. But now I will say the, the one thing that I've always liked about the character is that she's a fan of Carol Danvers. Yeah. And that they use that fandom as her entree to being a superhero you know, once she gets powers. So I, I love the idea that they're carrying that through this, the show and that she's going to be a part of Captain Marvel two as a character so that we get to see, uh, both characters together. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. Well, it gets us to the end and we're about out of time anyway. So any final thoughts about this momentous set of announcements that we've been talking about? Uh, you know, I think we were, we've all been waiting for something like this for a while. Like we, we haven't had one of these, uh, big, like, you know, whether it was an investor relations presentation or, you know, some of the fan events that Marvel's done in the past to, to reveal a slate of movies, you know, we, we haven't had one of these in a while. And I think some of us were starting to wonder if we were going to get one at all or if Marvel was just going to make announcements here and there about certain movies. So it was kind of cool to sit down for, you know, whatever 20 minutes or however long his presentation was and, and have Kevin, Kevin Feige walk us through the next five years or so of, you know, Marvel projects. I, I think it makes us feel good as fans to know that we've got stuff to look forward to. And, you know, we can all start speculating on what, some of these things are going to end up being, but at least we kind of know what the direction is. Um, you know, the one thing, and we kind of touched on it earlier that wasn't announced was like this big sweeping. This is phase four. Like this is what the end of phase four is leading to. Like we're not leading towards anything like we were with infinity war, um, which kind of leaves them you know, some kind of room to decide what they want to do, but everything that we saw looked really cool. So I'm not really worried that we're, we don't have that big overarching story that they're trying to tell. I I like that. They've kind of brought it down a little bit more. Yeah. I think that's absolutely right. All right. Well, we're all out of time, but Jim, thank you for joining, uh, joining me today. And this has been a lot of fun, man. Yeah.
This has been a White Rocket Entertainment Production.